The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoke Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. And we're back after Sukkot. And I am once again going to try to get into a regular episode uploading routine. Hopefully it'll work, but one episode at a time. In today's episode, we're going to take up a question sent to me by a listener who's one of my students. She writes, I get very stressed out when I'm late for something, and I would like to stop getting so stressed or better at calming down. This feels like a stoicism type of thing. Do you have any podcast episodes that talk about this? So the answer is yes, I do have have episodes that talk about this, but only talk about the principles involved, not about the particular problem. And the reason why I'm highlighting this is because, as we've talked about many times in the past, uh, we the mind only needs to see an idea once for it to be affected, as my Rebbe, Rebbe Moskowitz, uh, always used to say. But the emotions need particulars and repetition, right? So, so we know this from Mishlei, from uh, from King Solomon's Book of Proverbs, that that you know you can you can summarize the entire book by saying, uh, "Who is wise? One who sees the consequences of his actions." But that's not going to affect your emotions. You need to play it out in all of its particular uh, uh, applications. So that's what we're going to do here. We're going to apply principles that we've talked about in the past, but we're going to apply them to this specific problem. But before we start, let me just clarify. I called this episode uh, Stoic Strategies for Being Late, okay? Not Stoic Strategies for Not Being Late. If I called it Stoic Strategies for Not Being Late, it would imply that we're going to talk about how not to be late. Now, don't get me wrong. It is very important to not be late, okay? Uh, I, myself, am one of the most punctual people I know. Uh, if you talk to people who know me, you could, they could probably vouch for that. Uh, I also, I think it's very important to be on time. I think it is very uh, inconsiderate and unjust to be late, okay, if other people are involved uh, and, it, and it creates problems for the entire system. Uh, there's a lot we could say about that, but we're not going to say that in this episode because that's not, uh, that's not the topic, okay? Likewise... We're talking to someone who is late and gets stressed out. Okay, there are people who are late and are not bothered by it. I think that's also very problematic, and we're also not going to talk about that. We're only going to talk about people like myself and my student who, when they are late, get very stressed out. And the question is, what do you do about it? Okay, so I think I have four strategies, depending on how you divide it. The first strategy is the classic Stoic strategy of identify what is in your control and what is not in your control, okay? And I think, uh, I'm going to quote the Epictetus uh, excerpt from the Enchiridion chapter one handbook, uh, which I think is probably the most quoted passage in all Stoic writings uh, in all my episodes. He writes, on the one hand, there are things that are in our power, whereas other things are not in our power. In our power, our opinion, impulse, desire, aversion, and in word, whatever is our own doing. Things not in our power include our body, our possessions, our reputations, our status, and in a word, whatever is not our own doing. Now, things that are in our power are by nature free, unhindered, unimpeded. But things not in our power are weak, slavish, hindered, and belong to others. Remember, therefore, that whenever you suppose those things that are by nature slavish to be free, or those things that belong to others to be your own, you will be hindered, miserable, and distressed, and you will find fault with both God and men. If, however, you supposed supposed to be yours only what is yours and what belongs to another to belong to another as indeed it does no one will ever compel you no one will hinder you you will find fault with no one reproach no one nor act against your own will you have no enemies and no one will harm you for no harm can touch you so first step when you find yourself being late is to ask yourself first to ask yourself about the past 
was my lateness due to something that was in my control or something not in my control? If it was not in your control, then don't beat yourself up about it, <laughs> okay? Uh, it is not in your control. You couldn't have done anything about it. And you're only wasting energy and creating additional bad feelings by beating yourself up about it. If it was in your control, so then take those bad feelings, those guilty feelings, and channel them going forward to do Teshuvah Gemura, to correct the mistake in a way where in your, if you're in a similar situation in the future, then you will, uh, you, you, you will... Uh, 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 you know, make the, the right decision. So for example, let's say you you should have left a buffer zone and you did not, right? So next time, leave a buffer zone. Or you should check the traffic and you did not. So check the traffic next time, right? And that's it, right? You, you, you've taken action. In other words, the feeling when you are late and you're getting stressed, it often comes from a sort of self-blame. And if that self-blame doesn't lead to anything constructive, then it's just going to fester. But if it leads to something constructive, then you are doing something, right? And if and if you're not to blame, then there's no place for self-blame whatsoever. Okay, now, there's another fact, though, which is that once you are late, the past is something that is no longer in your control, all right? Uh, I don't want to go into this now, but if you look into the Rishonim who deal with the, the question of... Uh, of can God do anything, right? They all list, the, all the Rishonim I've seen who talk about this, you know, the Rambam, the Sefer Haikarim, Saad Yuga'on, um, I forgot who else, the Miri, um, they all talk about certain things that God cannot do. And one of the things that they talk about is God cannot uh, make something, uh, he cannot change the past, okay? We're not going to talk about why that is, but God cannot change the past. And this is actually a halakha. This is why you are not allowed to to pray for God to change something in the past because it's called a tefillah shav. It's an impossible uh, prayer, all right? Um, and so uh, I think we've talked about that in the past also. But anyway, uh, I got this idea from a comment, a Facebook comment where I posted the question uh, by someone named Sam Dulmaj. I don't know who he is, but he wrote, if you are already late and you have missed your opportunity to be, to be punctual, your punctuality at that point is not under your control. You cannot have a practical impulse to act if your action is impossible. Right. So the fact that you're already late means that wishing that you weren't late is a waste of energy and recognizing that hopefully can can untie your emotions, can unbind your emotions from 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 that past and then focus on what's in front of you or what's in, in the future. You know, and again, even God can't change the past. OK, so certainly you can't. Uh, and I think that's important to recognize. OK, let's move on to the second strategy. Second strategy is uh, another one that we talked about a lot, not be carried away by your impressions. So I'll read this from Epictetus Discourses, book two, chapter 18. In the first place, do not allow yourself to be carried away by the intensity of your impression, but say, impression, wait for me a little. Let me see what you are and what you represent. Let me test you. Then afterwards, do not allow it to draw you on by picturing what may come next, for if you do, it will lead you wherever it pleases. But rather, you should introduce some fair and noble impression to replace it and banish this base and sordid one. So the tendency when something happens to you is to catastrophize, is to say, oh, sorry, when something happens to you, but when, when you're late is to catastrophize and tell yourself, oh, this is going to be horrible. Bad stuff is going to happen. People are going to be so mad at me, you know. And sometimes bad stuff will happen, okay, or or things will happen. Let's put it that way. Let's not even use the judgment of bad, okay? We'll save that for a second. You need to, to be able to differentiate between the objective fact of your lateness and its objective consequences and then the imaginary fears that you have. Now, there is a great letter from, from Seneca, letter number 13 on groundless fears, which I encourage you to read in its entirety. And uh, But I'm just going to read some excerpts here, which I've excerpted at... Um, 
you know, sentence by sentence, uh, uh, he, he elaborates on this idea. He says, there are more things likely to frighten us than there are to crush us. We suffer more in imagination than in reality. Accordingly, some things torment us more than they ought. Some torment us before they ought, and some torment us when they ought not torment us at all. Uh, and then he gives you some uh, strategy for how to deal with this. He says, put the question voluntarily to yourself. Am I tormented without sufficient reason? Am I morose? And do I convert what is not evil into what is an evil? And then he goes on to elaborate. He says, we do not put to the test those things which cause our fear. We do not examine into them. We, bl we blanch and retreat just like soldiers who are forced to abandon their camp because of a dust cloud raised by a stampeding cattle or are thrown into a panic by the spreading of some unauthenticated rumor. And somehow or other, it is the idle report that disturbs us most. For truth has its own definite boundaries, but that which arises from uncertainty is delivered over to guesswork and the irresponsible license of a frightened mind. That is why no fear is so ruinous and so uncontrollable as panic fear. For other fears are groundless, but this fear is witless." Let us then look carefully into the matter. It is likely that some troubles will befall us, but it is not a present fact. How often has the unexpected happened? How often has the expected never come to pass? And even though it is ordained to be, what does it avail to run out to meet your suffering? You will suffer soon enough when it arrives. So look forward, meanwhile, to better things. The mind at times fashions for itself false shapes of evil when there are no signs that point to any evil. It twists into the worst construction some word of doubtful meaning, or it fancies some personal grudge to be more serious than it really is, considering not how angry the enemy is, but to what lengths he may go if he is angry. But life is not worth living if there is no, and there is no limit to our sorrows if we indulge our fears to the greatest possible extent. In this matter, let prudence help you and condemn with a resolute spirit even when it is in plain sight. If you cannot do this, counter one weakness with another and temper your fear with hope. There is nothing so certain among these objects of fear that it is not more certain still that the things we dread sink into nothing and that things we hope for mock us. Okay, oh, he goes on. I really want to read more, but the basic message is, is clear, which is don't let your fears dictate what you think is going to happen. Actually assess what is going to happen and what the prob probability is and recognize that things might not play out the way that you, you expect, right? That, that uh, you know, make sure that your impressions are as realistic as possible and you'll find that you're oftentimes more alarmed uh, than, than the situation warrants. And likewise, uh, you know, recognize what is the true harm and what is not the true harm. And again, I've quoted this a lot also. Marcus Aurelius Meditations, book four, chapter eight. What does not make a man worse than he was, neither makes his life worse than it was, nor hurts him without or within. So ask yourself, is this really a harm to me? You know, like let's say, for example, you miss a flight, okay? And you panic, right? Now, sometimes missing a flight can lead to to complications, right? But is it is it a real harm? I mean, What's the worst that happens is that you book a flight later, maybe you pay a fee, maybe you miss something, right? But is that a real harm, you know? Uh, or is it an inconvenience, something that you would have preferred not to have happened? And most cases when you're late uh, are, are not even inconvenient, you know, tremendous inconveniences, right? It's mostly just all in your head. So talking yourself through these things and asking, you know, what actually is the harm? What are the probabilities? Is this really a harm at all? Okay, that's Stoic strategy number two. Stoic strategy number three, and the reason I'm rushing, by the way, is because I have a Chavrusa uh, who I think is going to call me in a little while. Hopefully I get to finish this. So um, so uh, this uh, is, oh, so um, this strategy really is from, um, I uh, really Kohelas, right? Kohelas says, uh, There's no one who is entirely righteous on the earth who does only good and never sins. Okay, that's from uh, Kohelas Zainchaf. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, seven twenty, um, and the the point here is that 
Oh, let me actually read an excerpt from Epictetus also from the, the Incarnate Handbook, Chapter 4. When you are about to undertake some task, remind yourself what sort of business it is. If you are going out to bathe, bring to mind what happens at the baths. There will be those who splash you, those who will jostle you. Some will be abusive to you, and others will steal from you. And thus, you will undertake the affair more securely if you say to yourself from the start, I wish to take a bath, but also to keep my moral character in accordance with nature. Do likewise with every undertaking. For thus, if anything should happen that interferes with your bathing, be ready to say, oh, well, it was not only this that I wanted, but also to keep my moral character in accordance with nature. And I cannot do that if I'm irritated by things that happen. So here, the strategy is to realize that even the most punctual people are occasionally late. And for you to wish to be a human and to not make mistakes is itself irrational, you know, um, and uh, and to realize that that yeah, this is going to happen. Uh, you know, what what makes you a again when we say tzaddik here, we don't mean someone who's righteous in the Torah sense or even in the full Mishlaic sense. Someone who who's making good decisions, right? You can't always make good decisions. What really makes you a tzaddik also is is uh, is how you is the decisions you make, but also how you react when you do make a mistake, right? Like it says in Mishlei 24, 16, A tzaddik falls seven times and gets up, but the wicked stumble in their in their evil. Uh, again, I don't think that's talking about a tzaddik tzaddik necessarily, someone who's righteous, but the point is, is that, that you, it's not just a matter of not making the mistakes, it's a matter of what you do when you do make a mistake. So realizing another thing to not beat yourself up about is that you you can make mistakes and the real question now is are you going to make a mistake in how you relate to that mistake you know by not implementing these strategies and the last point hopefully i get this in before my Brusa calls is um this was uh, uh, brought uh, up by another commenter on the Facebook group, Mark Healy. He says, if you're going to be late, be late well, not poorly. Arrive in good character, not a mess of poor energy. Take ownership of your planning and plan for better next time. Uh, and that reminded me of Epictetus' Enchiridion chapter 17. Remember that you are an actor in a play of such a kind as the playwright chooses. Short if he wants it short, long if he wants it long. If he wants you to play the part of a beggar, play even this part well, and so also for the parts of a disabled person, an administrator, or a private individual. For this is your business, to play well the part you were given, but choosing it belongs to another, with a capital A. So there, this I don't know if this is a separate strategy or a strategy for implementing these other strategies, but recognize that, okay, normally you play the part of a punctual person, but here, today, in this moment, you are a late person. So you can be, but, but you can choose to be a good late person or a bad late person, right? Either be late and be composed and think to yourself, okay, how do I have to change uh, what? How do I have to change plans to account for the consequences of the of the uh, the delay? You know, what people do I have to uh, uh, apologize to or to appease in order to get in better standing and to uh, you know make sure that you don't create other burdens for them? Be a good late person. You know, how do I stay calm? How do I not catastrophize? And if you are a bad late person, if you are a late person who then, you know, uh, makes all these bad decisions or denies accountability, et cetera, et cetera, or doesn't learn from their mistakes, then uh, that's the real tragedy here. Okay. So to sum it up, we have um, assess what's in your control and not in your control and only focus on what's in your control. Number two is uh, don't be carried away by your impressions, but rather assess what the actual facts are and, uh, and, uh, and, and what true harm is. 
Strategy number three is recognize that everyone makes mistakes and don't beat yourself up about it for that, even if you're, you are punctual. And number four, uh, or really the collect all strategy is to be a late person well, play that role well. Um, I'm going to skip the outro this time in case Michael Russo calls. Uh, and uh, hopefully I will make another episode later on this week. Uh, thank you for everything. And, uh, and uh, here's to more Stoicism and Judaism.